Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, well, kids, you can go to Kids Church to the powerhouse back there. Powerhouse Kids Church, same thing. Hope you guys have a great time back there. For the rest of us, you want to turn to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, for just joining us today, we are working our way through the book of Acts in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament, and then there's Acts, and it is short for the actions of the disciples. So we're working our way through there. We're not in any hurry by any means. We're just taking our time verse by verse, seeing what God says and how it uh, impacts and shapes our life today. The title of the message today is Because of Grace, Because of Grace, and again, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. Once you're at Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26, if you want to stand and we will read God's word together. The actions of the disciples, one of the disciples named Luke, who was there, writes this. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our actions, our own power or piety, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. In his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer and thus be fulfilled, repent therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord will raise up for you a prophet like me, your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. In all the days, all the prophets who have spoken, from Samuel to those who came after him, also proclaimed these things. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning everyone from your wickedness. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word that is alive, that is true, that is active. Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that you would come in and open up our ears, open up our hearts and our spirits to hear and to obey and to live by the truth of your word. This wouldn't just be a message that goes in one ear and out the other, but it would shape us and mold us to draw closer to you. We give this service to you, and I ask that you would anoint these lips of clay and flesh, that these would be your words and not mine. We love you and we thank you. We give this service to you. We're nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Because of grace, if you had to summarize what God's grace is really all about, how would you do it? And what part, if any, of the Bible would you use? If you had to summarize, if someone said you were on trial and you had to summarize what is grace, when Christians uh, use the word grace, what do they mean by that term? If you had to summarize it, what would you say? Think about that for a moment. Secondly, what part of the Bible, if any, hopefully you would use the Bible, but what part of the Bible would you use to describe this is what grace means? This is the biblical definition of what grace is all about. Also, the question that we want to look at is, what are the real benefits of grace? What are the real benefits? We talk about God's grace and all these great things, but what are the benefits of grace? And we kind of jumped into the middle of what's taking place here in chapter 3. Chapter 3 begins with, and we talked about a few weeks ago, Peter and John, two of the closest followers of Jesus. Uh, they're going up to the temple to pray and to worship God. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. On their way in, they see a crippled man who is about 40 years old, been crippled from birth. And on their way in, and the man asks for money, and they turn to him and this is in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 3, they turn to him and say, listen, we don't have any money, but we're going to give you something that money can't buy that's more valuable than any amount of gold or silver. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And immediately, this man who had been crippled from the time he was in his mommy's belly began to rise up. He began to walk and leap and praise God and worship God. And they went into the temple uh, praising. And as they're going on in, this is where we pick up in verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, meaning this man who'd been crippled from birth, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together with them in the portico called Solomon's. And Peter stands up and begins to preach. We have a picture here of what uh, Herod's second temple or what the temple looked like in the time of Jesus. And as we said a few weeks ago, if you can see where the number 11 is, kind of in the, in the big temple area there, that's that gate where that happened. And there you go. Yeah, thank you. And that's where this took place. It was a big gate called the Gate Beautiful. And that's where this man was healed. Now they are, again, we're talking about thousands of people. It says 5,000 men. Possibly when you include women, it could be easily 10 to 15,000. Now they're at Solomon's Portico, which is kind of down here on the, on the southern part. And that's where this takes place. So it's a big open area, thousands of people. This entire complex is about 34 acres. So it's a massive, massive complex. There's literally tens of thousands of people here. And Peter stands up. They've all seen this man for 40 years been crippled. He is healed in the name of Jesus Christ. And now it's, uh, everybody is like a bull rush to see this man who they've known for 40 years is now walking and praising God. And now as they're 
uh, coming together, Peter and John stand up and they use this opportunity to preach about Jesus Christ and what happened. Their sermon is really, really interesting. And so today I'm just going to basically preach Peter's sermon. So I'd like to take credit for this message, but I can't. I'm just re-preaching what Peter, what Peter talked about. And it's important to remember that Peter, in every sermon that Peter preaches, he preaches the main emphasis of his sermon is Jesus Christ was God's son. He was crucified, dead and buried and resurrected again. And only through Jesus Christ is there salvation and forgiveness of sins. That's the main theme of Peter's sermon. He didn't preach how to be happy, happy and wealthy and, and successful in life. He didn't preach how to have a good marriage. He preached Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected. He preached this similar sermon in Acts chapter 2. He preaches it right here in chapter 3. And we're going to look next week at the same, almost the exact same sermon in chapter 4 that he preaches. So his theme, his focus was Christ and him crucified, which should be the focus of all of our sermons today as well. This is, he, what I think is interesting is he backs up everything that he says with scripture. This is why it's important for you and I as modern followers of Jesus to read your Bible, to understand the Bible and to live by the Bible and not just, well, it's in the Bible somewhere. No, you need to know what it says and where it says. Everything Peter preaches, he backs up with scripture. Everything he says, he says, this is in the Old Testament. If you remember when God said this in, in, in Isaiah chapter 52, this is what we're talking about here. Everything he uses is backed up with scripture. And as we say all the time, listen, if it doesn't come from God's word, I have nothing to tell you. Everything we do must, it's not, shouldn't be, it's a good idea. No, everything we do must be based on God's word. Something I want you to also notice, look at all the titles that Peter gives to describe Jesus to this Jewish audience. Most everyone here that day are Jews, most all of them, if not all of them. Peter uses these different titles. He calls Jesus God's servant, holy and righteous one, the author of life, a prophet like Moses. He calls him the Messiah, and he calls him the seed of Abraham. These Old Testament titles he uses to describe Jesus. First thing we want to look at today, verses 11 through 18, is saving grace, saving grace. What's interesting is when you read verses 11 through 18, Peter starts off his sermon by this, saying, you guys killed Jesus. In your ignorance, you killed Jesus. You killed the author of life. And Hebrews says that Jesus is also the author of salvation. That, and John says that in the gospel of John, Jesus is life itself. He is the beginning of life. He is the all in all of life, Jesus is. And isn't it kind of a, a paradox that he says, Peter, that you killed the one who created life, but God raised him up. And as you know, we're about to celebrate that in a few weeks with Easter. But I think it's so interesting. He, he starts off by saying, the very first thing is, everybody's coming. There's, there's tens of thousands of people coming. They see this man walking. And Peter stands up and says, listen, guys, this wasn't me. It's nothing that I did or my buddy John did. This is all about Jesus Christ, who you crucified in your ignorance. But, he says, in your ignorance, God used that for his perfect will. A couple of interesting things that we need to point out is that the saving grace of God, even in our sin, God loves us. 
This is backed up in places like 1 John and, and uh, the Gospel of John. That while, in, in Romans, while we were sinners, Jesus died for us out of love. Even in our sin, even in the mess and the muck and the mire and the filthiness that we are covered in of sin, God still loves you. God still wants to bless you. God has a plan for your life. We're going to get to that in a few moments. Listen, if God is willing to forgive the people who crucified the author of life and killed him, how much more will God forgive you and me? He forgives the very people who killed Jesus. Now, let me obviously say this isn't anti-Semitism here. It wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus, perhaps, you know, in a physical sense. But listen, it was my sin that killed Jesus Christ. And it was your sin. And it was the sin of every human being that has ever lived on, on every country and every city and every place. It was all the sin of mankind that killed Jesus. And it wasn't Jews. So don't ever think that. And if anybody says that, you correct them right away because that's not true. It was the sin of all mankind. But Peter starts off by addressing the people, listen, it wasn't me, it was Jesus. When God does great things in your life, are you quick to give him credit? Or do you kind of say, well, yeah, I did something pretty cool right there. No, be like Peter. When God does amazing things in your life, step back, be very quick. Peter, I mean, that's the first thing out of his mouth was, listen, thousands of people. And, and wouldn't it have been great to say, I'll, I'll, I'm selling some t-shirts in the back and I'll do some autographs later on and, and I'm famous now and put me on the cover of a magazine and put me on religious TV programs. No, Peter stands up where his pride could have overtaken, his love for Jesus overtaken. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit, he stands up and says, wait, 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 you need to understand before I say anything else, this was not me. This was Jesus Christ. He's the one that healed the man, not me. He just used me to do it, but it's all about Jesus. Now that I'm talking about Jesus, speaking of, you killed him. In your ignorance, you killed the author of life. But God used that, used your ignorance, what you meant for evil, God turned around and used for his perfect will. And it was according to scripture. And he backs everything up with scripture even in our sin God loves us and has a plan for our life let me say this what others intend for evil God can use for his will there may be people that in their ignorance in your life are, are scheming are working to devise plans to destroy your life to hurt you to set you back to do whatever they can to knock you down to knock you off and to get rid of you and you need to hear just like this uh, with Peter that what others mean for evil God can use for his perfect will I mean isn't it amazing Peter says what you guys meant for evil God used your evil intentions into his perfect will for Jesus Listen, those who are against you, God can use their evil schemes to turn into his perfect will. It's amazing. Saving grace. He says, listen, it was you that killed Jesus. It was the sin of all mankind. God is not doing away with the Jewish people. In fact, right here, this message is aimed at Jews. He's welcoming them back openly. He says that telling them that the very ones who wanted to kill Jesus can be forgiven. God can use you in his will when we're even unaware. The second thing we want to look at, the saving grace of God. Secondly, is benefits of grace. Verses 19 through 21. This is, was perhaps the main point of Jesus or Peter's sermon. He starts by saying, hey, it's not me, it's Jesus. Speaking of Jesus, you killed, you murdered, you executed, you crucified God's son, the author of life, the Messiah, you killed him. 
Then he goes on now, and this is the real meat, the real heart of his sermon, of what we want to look at even a little more in depth, verses 19 through 21. He says, Repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who appointed for you Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. I love what he says here, and he puts it beautifully. Repent, therefore, You killed Jesus, but God can use your evil intentions for his purpose and plan. And even in your evil intentions, even when you hated God, you hated Jesus Christ, you wanted to murder him, God still loved you. And guess what? Nothing has changed. God still loves you today. God wants you to enjoy his blessing. Even when you were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Even when you wanted to let go a convicted criminal, a murderer called Barabbas, you wanted to exchange him for the innocence of Jesus Christ. God still loves you and God still loves you today and God still has a plan for your life and in fact God still can bless your life immensely but you need to repent and turn understand that true repentance is turning away from sin and turning to God otherwise it's just guilty feelings there's a lot of people who have guilty feelings but they don't really repent I feel bad for what I did. I might say, Jesus, forgive me. But I don't really want to repent. Jesus, forgive me. Repentance, as Jesus told the woman that was caught in adultery, he said, go and sin no more. I've forgiven you. Now, don't do that again. Real repentance is turning your back completely on sin, never going back. The Bible says in Psalms that a guy, a person that goes back to their sin is like a dog that goes back to its vomit. As gross and as disgusting as that is, and maybe you've seen a dog that, and, and we have a dog, and it's happened before, and it's, it's just disgusting, and then, you know, they want to, like, lick you and stuff, and I don't do that, but, but as gross as that is, when a dog vomits, and it licks up its own vomit, I mean, as, as, as disgusting and gross and foul as that is, and it's hard to watch, so it is when we go back into sin, after we've experienced God's grace. That's what he says. True repentance is turning away from sin once and for all and turning to God. That's what he says. Repent, therefore, and turn again. A complete 180. Go in the complete opposite direction that you, were ha- that you were heading. And then he gives, what's interesting, three benefits of salvation in Jesus. I love that he says, first of all, in verse 19, that your sins may be blotted out. That's the first thing. Three benefits of salvation forgiveness of all sins you need to understand I I don't need to know what you've done in your past I don't really want to know and you probably don't need to know want to know what I did in my past all I can tell you is whatever it was as egregious as it may be as bad as it may be as whatever they did to you may be Jesus Christ is the only one that can forgive all of your sins he doesn't just forgive 99.9 percent but then there's that one that you really messed up that time so he just can't quite get past that sin in your life and he's going to hold that over your head absolutely not that is not jesus that's not the god of the bible jesus says and we see here in verse 19 that god will blot out 
all of your sins. And listen, who are we talking to? The very people who said crucify him. The very jury that said give him the chair, execute him, the death penalty. If God is willing to blot out, to erase, to forgive their sin, how much more will he blot out, erase, and forgive your sins? As we said before, the forgiveness of Jesus isn't just one drop of his blood covers our sin, because then it could be uncovered. But he blots it out. He erases it completely. That's the forgiveness that we have. That's the main benefit of salvation, the forgiveness of all sins. The second one is in verse 20. He says, peace today. Repent, therefore, and turn again. Turn from your sin unto God, so that, here's the number one benefit, your sins may be blotted out. And the second benefit, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you. Jesus what he means by this times of refreshing he says listen and he said it in chapter 2 in his sermon he's talking about the Holy Spirit he's talking about life lived for Jesus Christ he's talking about the benefit of having your sins forgiven when your sins are forgiven you're guilt free you're made whole before God you can enjoy God's presence. So many people think that, well, when I die, and we sang those songs earlier, and I love those songs, but well, when I die, then I can really enjoy God's presence. Then I can have ultimate peace in my life, ultimate joy, ultimate forgiveness. That is not what the Bible says. Yes, that happens when you die as a Christian, but listen, what kind of benefit would there be in that? Well, you know, it's only when you die that you can really enjoy Jesus. It's only when you die that all the benefits really kick in. No, don't sign me up for that. I want a God that when I give him my life today, I can enjoy the benefits today, immediate benefits. And yes, when I die, I enjoy it for eternity as well. The, the benefit of salvation is, number one, your sins are forgiven. Secondly, you can enjoy God's presence today. You can enjoy God's favor in your life. You can enjoy God's blessing in your life, God's goodness, God's perfect plan for your life today you don't have to wait till you've been a christian five years or till you die you can enjoy the benefits of living for god today his peace in your life today his joy in your life today thirdly is hope for the future verse 21 so times of refreshing and then third whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. What he means is hope for the future. What he's saying is that this time for restoring all things is talking about the return of Jesus Christ. We believe at our church, because it's biblical throughout scripture, that Jesus Christ was a real human being that lived and walked the earth he died a real death was buried and completely dead not like in a coma he was totally dead and god brought him back three days later he walked the earth a little while after and now he is in heaven doing two main things he is preparing a place for us for eternity for his followers for eternity and second the bible says he is interceding in other words he is intensely praying on our behalf, on your behalf, and on my behalf. As I'm preaching right now, Jesus is preparing a place for me, but he's praying for me at this moment. Who would you rather have pray for you of anybody else but Jesus? And he says this, that, that Jesus went to heaven and we believe he will return again. We sang that earlier. Soon and very soon, we will see the king. Jesus talked about this himself in all of the gospels, all four of them. We see it all throughout scripture. We see it in Revelation and even in the parts of the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is going to return. Well, people have been saying that for years and years. Guess what? They may say it for, for years and years to come. 
I'm fine with that. I don't need to, to, to know the exact day or time. I know it's going to happen. It is a fact. It is a set fixed date that will not change on God's calendar. It will happen. Jesus Christ will return. You say, well, that's great. What is he going to do when he returns? Well, Peter tells us right here that he is going to restore all things. What he means by that is when Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3 in the garden, the very beginning of the Bible, they broke the earth. They destroyed God's beautiful creation. The Bible says in Genesis that after God created the Garden of Eden, he said it's good, it's beautiful, it's great. He puts man, woman in there, everything's good. And then man and woman bring sin in. They disobey what God told them to do. And from that moment, every human being that has ever lived has lived under the curse of sin. The curse of separation from God. The curse of never knowing a relationship with God. Until, Peter says, Jesus came, died on the cross, was buried and resurrected. And now we can have a relationship with him. Our sins can be forgiven. We can enjoy his blessing today. And Jesus is returning. And when he returns, he's going to do two main things. Jesus says this in Matthew uh, chapter 24, that he will judge all those who didn't follow him. He's going to judge people. Secondly, he's going to take all his, of his followers, all those who believed in Christ, and have take them to heaven. And, and what Peter's saying here is that he, not just take them to heaven like in a galaxy far, far away. No, he's going to restore the earth. The earth that Adam and Eve broke because of sin, the earth that we hear about reports of, of the, the demonic thing of, of uh, Islam and ISIS and those, these horrific things. Jesus, when he returns, and he is returning soon and very soon, he will restore all of these things. Heaven and earth will, will become one. He will restore things. He's going to make it better than in the Garden of Eden. Jesus Christ will set everything right. Listen, when I watch the news and, and it, it breaks my heart, I weep and I pray and, and the horrific things that are on the news every single day and in the newspapers, I pray about those things and, and people that I will never meet in my life that I never know, but I pray over them as I see that in the news and it breaks my heart because I think, God, why why don't you do something about this? Where is the justice here? This isn't right. God, would you fix this? The hope of followers of Christ is that when Jesus returns, he will set everything right. He will restore everything. He will punish sin. Listen, they may get away with it today. They may get off uh, scot-free today. But when Christ returns, they will pay a punishment. There is a penalty for disobeying God. ISIS may get away with it today because our government chooses not to do anything. But when Christ returns, there will be a punishment. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. Jesus will restore all things to even better than the Garden of Eden. This isn't my opinion or the opinion of the denomination. It's what the Bible says. It's what Peter says. Hope for the future. My hope is that not only when I die, because again, I can enjoy God's blessing today, but I, when I die, I can experience the fullness of God's love and grace, but also he's going to set everything right. Everybody that did me wrong, everybody that has done you wrong, everything that you, when you read the newspaper and you see it on the news, that is injustice, that is abhorrent, that is evil, that is wicked, he will set right. He will fix. He will restore. He will make all things new, as he says. Literal heaven on earth is what it will be like. That's the benefits. Now, the sharing grace. Verses 22 through 26, and I just want to focus on the last part of verse 25. He says, you are the sons of the prophets 
and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's important. Verse 26, God, having raised up his servant, talking about Jesus, sent him to you first, talking to the Jewish people, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Now notice he said that in verse 19, remember? Turn from your sin that you can enjoy God's blessings. There's three blessings, forgiveness of sins, peace for today, and hope for the future. And now he concludes his sermon that way. He ends the sermon by saying, listen, guys, Jesus came, was, was born as a Jew, lived in a Jewish home, and he came for the Jewish people as part of Old Testament prophecy, what God promised to Abraham in Genesis. He came to the Jewish people first. Jesus even said that. But now, why did he come to you? So that you can turn from your sin and enjoy God's blessing. That's how Peter ends his sermon. That's how we like to end all of our sermons. Hey, there's anybody that hasn't had a chance to turn from their sin and enjoy God's blessing, man, today's the day. One of the interesting things is that he's talking about all of the Old Testament prophets from Genesis and Abraham, who was the father of Judaism, to Moses, the greatest prophets, to Samuel, who anointed the first two kings of Israel, to David, the king of Israel, and to Isaiah. All of them, Peter says, being a good Jewish scholar that he was, saying, listen, the entire, he's talking to Jewish people who understood the Old Testament very well. Every page on the Old Testament, Peter says, points to Jesus Christ. The prophets who you are descendants of. They were your fathers. They were your ancestors. And, and the, the, the prophets who you understand and you admire and you study, they were all telling you one thing with one voice. Christ is the Messiah. And Peter says, listen, he came. You missed it because you were trying to yell crucify instead of Hosanna and, and save. And because of that, God still loves you and can still accept you. This is what God is doing. All of them were pointing to when God would do something huge and set things right and restore relationship with man. Now Peter says, this very thing that the whole Old Testament was pointing to has happened in the person of Jesus Christ. And Peter says, guess what? Though it's happened, the first time you ignored it, through God's grace, you can accept it now and be part of it. You can be part of Old Testament prophecy, Peter says. And when you accept Christ, you could experience it. To his Jewish audience, this would have been huge. And obviously it was, because when you read in chapter 4, verse 4, at the end of that, they're, they're arrested. We'll talk about that next week. They're arrested at the end of his sermon. But many of those who heard the word, talking about Peter's sermon, believed. And the number of men came to about 5,000. That's just men. Probably women and children, 10,000, 15,000 people. They believed. They understood what he was saying. Jesus is the Messiah. All those Old Testament titles he gave, all the Old Testament points to Jesus. The main thing I want to discuss is this sharing grace. One of the main results of salvation, of repenting and turning again, is actively sharing the message of God's grace with everyone around you. That's what Peter says. Listen, there's three benefits. We talked about those. But in addition to that, one of the signs of real Christian maturity of real Christian growth is those who actively share their faith. What God has done in their life doesn't mean you got to be a scholar because we're going to find out in chapter 4 that the educated people call Peter and John uneducated men. These guys are kind of ignorant, they say. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to share your faith, what God's done in your life. 
That's all you need to do is say, listen, this is what God did with me. This is what I was like before, and now this is what God's doing in my life. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. But I have God's grace in my life, and while I was a sinner, he still had a plan and a purpose for my life. He still wanted to use me. He still loved me. He still wanted to bless me. And because I turned from my sin and turned to God, I can enjoy the benefits. Listen, you want to know if you're really growing in your faith, you're really growing in Christ, are you really spiritually maturing? One of the main ways is, are you actively sharing your faith with any and everyone around you? You know, what if Peter and John would have just said, well, you know, I'm not really good at public speaking, and, and John, you're not either. Okay, well, you know, this is a great thing that Jesus healed this crippled man, but I wish we could tell these people about Jesus, but we'll just kind of keep it to ourselves for now. How horrific would that have been? 10 to 15,000 people because they shared what Jesus had done. The main results of salvation, the main outcome of that is actively sharing God's grace. The message of salvation in Jesus Christ alone through his blood and faith and forgiveness of sins. And then I love what he says towards the end of verse 25. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God talking, he's quoting the Old Testament in Genesis, talking to Abraham. But really, what is that blessing? Jesus. All the families of the earth. This isn't just a Jewish thing. This isn't just an Israeli thing. This is for all people everywhere. Republicans, Democrats, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, white, black, Hispanic, doesn't matter. This is for everybody. Everybody can benefit from the message of Jesus Christ. He says all nations, all families would be blessed through Abraham. What did he mean? He meant Jesus Christ. Jesus in Matthew, the very beginning of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, an eyewitness of Jesus, says that Jesus was a direct descendant of Abraham. The entire planet Earth, the entire human race is blessed through Abraham because of Jesus. Let me say this. Are others blessed through your salvation? What I mean by that is, are you the best employee at your job? Not because of your talent or your skill level or your education. All those things are fine. But I mean, do you have a good work ethic? Are you the best employee because of your relationship with Christ? Because of God's blessing of salvation in your life, it should overflow and impact other people around you. They should be blessed because of what God's doing in your life. Your family should be blessed because of what God is doing in your life and salvation in your life and forgiveness of sins. They should be better because you're saved. Ask yourself that question. Is my family better off because I live for Christ? Am I living that? Is my job better off, my boss, my employees? Is my neighborhood better off? Are they blessed through my relationship with God? Peter says that's the way with Christ. All people should be blessed. Do you bring salvation? What I like to say is, when you give your life to Christ, you are blessed to be a blessing. The greatest blessing of all isn't money. The greatest blessing of all is sharing the message of Jesus Christ with anyone who will listen. That's the greatest blessing. You have received that gift. You received the blessing of salvation. Now you've been blessed with that. Now go and be a blessing and do likewise. Bless that with other people. Tell that to other people what Jesus has done in your life. You're blessed to be a blessing. And finally this morning, again, if you had to summarize what God's grace is all about, in my opinion, this would be it. 
These are the real benefits of God's grace. That even when we were sinners, it can't get much worse than people yelling crucify to God's son, the author of life. When we were sinners, God still loved us. He still had a plan for our life. He still wanted to bless us. And the benefits of salvation are our sins being completely erased, which is the best blessing of all. We can have peace in times of refreshing today and hope for tomorrow, hope that we spend eternity with him and that when Jesus returns, soon and very soon, he will set everything right. He will fix all the bajillion problems with this world, if that's even a word, and there's, there's tons of them. Just turn on your news this afternoon. He will set all of them right. If I had to summarize God's grace, if I had to use a passage of scripture, this would perhaps be it, Peter's sermon. This is what grace is all about. This is the real benefits. Even in our sin, God loves us. But the caveat is only when we repent, turn from our sin and turn to God, that we can enjoy the benefits of salvation both today and for eternity. Listen, God loving you in your sin is amazing. I mean, that's what grace is all about. But you can never experience it, never enjoy it until you turn from your sin and repent and turn to God. Then you can enjoy his love. Then you can enjoy his purpose and his blessing and will plan for your life. Listen, if you have not repented of your sin, the worst team will come back, then today's the perfect opportunity. You know, one of the things that is amazing about Peter's sermon, every time he preaches, he gives what, what Christians might call an altar call, which is an old term from Baptists in the 1800s, but he says, listen, you've heard the message of Christ, now we want you to have an opportunity to respond. And if you come to Grace Community Church for any amount of time, you know that's how we end every one of our services. We don't ever want to end. Why do you do it? That's kind of old-fashioned, man. They did that back in the 80s, and churches don't do that anymore. They're cool and they're hip. Listen, I'm not called to be cool and hip. I'm called to proclaim the truth of God's Word, whether it's cool or hip or not. And I cannot end a service without giving any person an opportunity to respond to the truth of God's Word and what they've just heard. If you've not repented of your sin, today is a perfect day. And in a few moments, we want to give you that opportunity. For the rest of us in the room, you've turned from and you repented of your sin. My question is, are you actively sharing the blessing of God's grace to those around you? Here's what I'd like for you to do. Here's your homework assignment for those of you that are followers of Christ. You've repented of your sin. You're living for him. This week, I want you to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. But I want you to pray that God would open the door for at least three people. Three people this week. That's not even one person a day. Three people this week that you can share God's grace with. You can be a blessing to them and share what God's done in your life. These people have told me about uh, a pastor in this area, pastored a, a local church for, for a number of years and was a great, great pastor, great man of God. His name was Pastor Owen. And they have told me that Pastor Owen prayed every single day, God, would you help me to share my faith? Help me to share the message of Christ with at least two people. Every day he prayed that. And guess what? Every day he did that. We'll never know until we get to heaven how many people were truly blessed because of that. You'll never know how many lives were changed. Doesn't matter where you are. Well, he was a pastor. It doesn't matter. That's an excuse. Well, he knew more of the Bible than I did. Oh, that's an excuse. Come on. 
You can do better than that. If you're going to make an excuse, make it a good one. Not that. Peter and John were uneducated men. Pray. Three people this week. That's your assignment. Actively pray to share the blessing of God's grace, which is salvation, to them this week. All you need to do is say, this is what God has done in my life, and he can do it for you. If you'd want to stand with me as we end this morning. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.